Your city, your city, your station, your station, your Lakers, your Lakers. Lakers talk is on. on. As the Lakers figure out the offseason, one thing's for sure, LeBron is not getting any younger. Every player on the roster you have to look at and say, does this player help us win right now at this moment? Does it give us a chance to try and get another championship in LeBron James's window? Lakers talk continues on 710 ESPN. Because that's what your franchise is right now. LeBron James' window is right now. Here's Alan Sliwa. Alan Sliwa. Got Laura Romo Lopez chiming in. Clipper fans suck. I dated one. Man, everybody's just... Now I'm just getting text messages. Why even tweet me anymore? I'll just give out my cell phone number. <laughs> but you could just reach out. Just just call me directly on my cell. All right, we got our top NBA stories. Um, let's start off with this. The Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn freaking Nets are in some trouble. Um, you know, this has been the unfortunate part of this year's playoffs. We obviously saw it firsthand with the Lakers. No Anthony Davis. You got no shot at winning an NBA championship. And yesterday, Brooklyn, by the way, game three, Brooklyn was, I don't know, 30 seconds away from going up three games to none. Even took a three-point lead late in that fourth quarter. And then eventually, uh, Milwaukee comes back, wins the game by two. That's game three. Then game four, uh, Brooklyn takes maybe 11-point lead, but then uh, Milwaukee comes back again. Kyrie goes down with an ankle injury. Okay, what does it mean? It means... The Nets will be without Kyrie Irving and James Harden for Game 5 against Milwaukee. So here are the Milwaukee Bucks that have literally no business of being in this series. They have no business of being in this series. They just don't. Um, I know they've won two games in a row, and I know they obviously did it at uh, in their home arena. I know you want to kind of give them credit for that, but here's the reality. Brooklyn is so by far the team to beat in the NBA um, that really it's kind of, I think a lot of this is can any team give them a run? Can they make it interesting? Unless they fall to injury. Even with just Kyrie Irving, they're the favorites to win it all. Um, and we're not, and we're talking about James Harden, who has not played yet other than a minute, I want to say, in that first round uh, that they had uh, to start off the playoffs. So y- you haven't even seen James Harden, who's top five, top seven in the NBA, wherever you want to put him. James Harden's an amazing basketball player, and Brooklyn is this stacked without him. And now you got both Kyrie Irving and James Harden that are out for game five. So what does that mean? It means if you're the Milwaukee Bucks and you find a way to lose tomorrow in Brooklyn, I think that game's tomorrow, uh, if you find a way to lose tomorrow in Brooklyn, Without Kyrie Irving and without James Harden playing, just pack it up. Don't even uh, redo the whole roster. Just kind of start over because that means you've got no chance in the Eastern Conference for the next three, four years. Now, what I would expect to happen, I would expect that the Milwaukee Bucks jump all over the Brooklyn Nets tomorrow, take advantage of the fact that both of those guys are gone, and uh, go up three games to two, and then have a chance to close it out in game six. And maybe by game six, Kyrie can go, or maybe by game six, James Harden can go. All they need is one of those players to play to advance to the next round. But who would have thought we'd be talking about the Brooklyn Nets being in a position where they could be out? So that's uh, that's realistic. They could be uh, they could be out, and they got to wait here without their two-star players. Okay, let's keep going here. Um. The Phoenix Suns yesterday ended up sweeping the Denver Nuggets four games to none. 
I have a difficult time trying to understand if the Phoenix Suns are really good, which they're pretty damn good. I mean, they really are. I mean, Chris Paul is having a tremendous uh, series, and in the Lakers series, he wasn't even really that impactful because he wasn't healthy. But I'm having a difficult time understanding if they're that good or the competition they've played so far has just been depleted. Denver had zero chance. You guys, If you guys remember this, when I would do the uh, pregame show with Michael or postgame show, whatever the case is, I would tell Michael, I'm like, Michael, round one's tougher than round two. All you got to do is just get past. When Lakers took a two games to one lead over the uh, Phoenix Suns, we kind of started planning. We're like, okay, well, now you got Denver or Portland. We thought the series would go long, and we thought 100% Phoenix is a tougher matchup than Denver or Portland. So Phoenix gets Portland in round, or Denver in round two. Uh, no Jamal Murray, obviously. Um, Jokic gets thrown out of the game. All that was irrelevant. They just didn't have a chance in the series. Phoenix pounced on them, took advantage of the uh, of the injuries that the uh, Denver Nuggets had, and now Phoenix finds himself in the Western Conference Finals. I can't really figure out Phoenix. I I don't know if, you know, if it's Phoenix Utah in the Western Conference Finals and Utah's healthy. I think that's a great matchup. If it's Phoenix Clippers in the Western Conference Finals, I'd give Clippers the edge. I'd give Clippers the advantage over the Phoenix Suns. So hats off to what Phoenix has accomplished, but it's tough to kind of assess the Phoenix Suns. A lot of chatter, by the way, about Chris Paul right now, like he's the greatest player ever. Uh, let's 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 slow down for a quick second here. Um, let's see what Chris Paul can do in the Western Conference Finals. Let's see if he can take the Phoenix Suns to the NBA Finals. Is it has been an incredible season for Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns? And it, you know, there's certain players. I know they haven't won championships, but they're winners. Chris Paul's a freaking winner. Wherever he goes, whatever franchise he's on, he seems to turn around the franchise. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, obviously he's been to the NBA Finals. He had awful losses against or or for the Clippers. But since then, I mean, the Houston Rockets ran the Warriors to seven games, then had the hamstring, uh, hamstring injury. By the way, even what he helped accomplish with the Clippers was the most that franchise has ever accomplished. So, uh, I, I know if, okay, if he was a Los Angeles Laker, it doesn't mean anything, but for the Clippers, it meant a lot to even get to the second round. I know that sounds funny, but he did help turn around that franchise. So Chris Paul making things happen, but I want to hesitate a little bit to give the to give the man so much credit. It's a lot of these other players that are doing some amazing things as well. Let's see what they do in the Western Conference Finals against a team that's healthy because the first two rounds that they've played so far, um, they've taken advantage of depleted teams. Lakers were depleted without Anthony Davis, and the Fien- or the uh, Denver Nuggets were depleted as well. Okay, let's continue. Top NBA stories. Should Jokic have been thrown out of the game? This morning, uh, Travis and I were talking about this. You know, we're talking about, okay, this is an MVP player. What do you mean you're ejecting Jokic? Kind of a stupid play by Jokic, to be honest with you. For how smart as smart of a player he is, and for how easy it is to root for Nikola Jokic. And I know there's a lot of people going to say, well, the NBA is just too soft, and how is that a flagrant too? I get all that. But in today's NBA, you make any contact to the face, you make a non-basketball play, you you put yourself... The last thing you want to do is put yourself in jeopardy to where the referees are going to make a decision for you, something that you can't control. I don't think he should have been thrown out. Um, I think it was a incredibly... Stupid play by Jokic, and he shouldn't have put himself in that position. Uh, but the NBA, this is just the world that we're in in the NBA today. Incredibly soft. You know, you look at a referee the wrong way, you're getting teed up. Um, 
a ball goes off of your hand and somebody else's, they're going to spend 15 minutes reviewing it. There's certain things with the NBA, as great as it is, man, there are some things I think they could clean up, and if they cleaned them up, it would just make the game so much better. So Jokic season, after he gets announced the most valuable player, ends in four games against the Phoenix Suns. Um, I want to read this one off too. So I'm going to get to Clippers Jazz in just a second. Uh, Philadelphia won earlier today, 103 to 100. I'm sorry, sorry. Atlanta won 103 to 100 over Philadelphia. So series is now tied at two games apiece. Can I just say this real quick about that series, and we won't spend any more time on it? Atlanta's a fun team to watch. That's an exciting young team to watch in the NBA right now. That's making a little bit of noise and. You know, to be tied 2-2 with the Philadelphia 76ers kind of walking into the season, what what did you think of Atlanta? I didn't pay any attention to them. Trey Young's been great. They got some other young players that are stepping up. Kind of a cool story to see what the Atlanta Hawks are doing. Okay, um, final NBA story that I want to get into. Actually, I got two more. I lied. I got two more here. Clippers versus the Jazz. So right now that game is a complete blowout, 51-26. I had my notes in here before the series, uh, before this game started. So Clippers just dumb. I can't even tell. 53-63, I can't even tell. It just complete blowout by the Clippers. Um, I had in my notes here that this series is going to come down to one thing, 53-26. It's just going to come down to if the Jazz get healthy, we have a series. If not, then we don't have a series. The Clippers are so Jekyll and Hyde that even after dominating the Jazz in two straight games – they could lose game five. That's just kind of the Clippers. You don't really know 100% what you're going to get. Now, maybe they're going to go on some kind of groove, and um, you know maybe this is going to be a, a different type of Clippers team, but they are benefiting incredibly right now by no Mike Conley for the Utah Jazz. I, I've been kind of talking about this, and this has kind of been so disappointing to watch this series without Mike Conley. Mike Conley is a major piece for the Utah Jazz. They don't have him. So unless he comes back which he's obviously missing tonight's game as well, uh, Clippers are going to win this series. If he comes back and you got two of the final three games in Utah, we got a series, probably goes seven games, goes either way in the in the final game. Um, but if Mike Conley doesn't come back, I, I think this is just a matter of time before the Los Angeles Clippers take care of the Utah Jazz and will make their first trip to the Western Conference Finals in franchise history. So... That's kind of what you got in front of, uh, um, and I know what's going to happen after tonight's game. Everybody's going to start talking about the Clippers, how great they are. I'm going to go back to this. They have not accomplished anything yet. Nothing. Let's give credit when it's due. If you want to accomplish something, here's a, a couple things I'll throw out there. One thing you could do is they've played. This is their. They've played ten playoff games. They're five and five. So let's stop pretending like the Clippers are, you know, on this amazing streak in the playoffs because they're not. If you're the Clippers, you're expected to not only beat the Dallas Mavericks, you should have beat them in much less than seven games. You're expected to beat the Utah Jazz if Mike Conley is not playing for the Utah Jazz. And then it just comes down to if you get to the Western Conference Finals, you're going to be a clear-cut favorite to get to the NBA Finals to take on whoever, Brooklyn, Philly, uh, Milwaukee, or heck, maybe even the Atlanta Hawks. So we'll see how things play out, but I'm... Very hesitant to give the Clippers any credit until there's a reason to give them credit. What they're doing right now, they're supposed to be doing. I think they got the most talent left in the Western Conference. I don't want to say it's not even close, but they got the most talent left. So on paper, they should be in the Western Conference Finals. On paper, especially with the Jazz you know, missing Mike Conley, they should be the favorites to come out of the Western Conference, but 
we'll have to wait and see if they're uh, if they're obviously able to do that. Okay, last NBA story that I want to get into. Mike D'Antoni to interview for the Portland Trailblazers head coaching job. Oh, you got to love the NBA. So Terry Stotts um, let go at the end of the year. Obviously, the the coaching job available. Woj had put out a tweet that um, Mike D'Antoni is going to interview for the position. Also interviewing is Chauncey Billups, who's an assistant for the Clippers, and Spurs assistant Becky Hammond. So that's all going to go on this week. I just kind of find it interesting that the NBA just continues to recycle coaches, the same coaches. I mean, it's not to say Mike D'Antoni has not had success because he has. He had success in Phoenix. He obviously had success with the Houston Rockets. But it's just the same script over and over again. And if you're Damian Lillard and the goal is that you obviously want to um, you want to get to the NBA Finals, you want a chance at a championship, I don't know if Mike D'Antoni is the uh, solution on that one, but that's who they're interviewing. Uh, one of my favorite guys to uh, chat Lakers with is coming up next. Trevor Lane, senior writer for Lakers Nation, is joining Lakers Talk next. Stay right here. This is uh, Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. All right, quick uh, update. Across the street at Staples Center, Clippers and the Utah Jazz, 58 to 59 to 37. So Clippers all over the Jazz. They're going to type the series at two apiece. And unless Mike Conley comes back, I don't know how Jazz are going to take uh, get two more wins over the Los Angeles Clippers. All right, I uh, want to welcome in here uh, Trevor Lane, senior writer for Lakers Nation, taking some time to join Lakers Talk. Trevor, uh, this is... You know, for us to be doing a show and having a conversation as we're in the off season here on June fourteenth, this was not the plan, Trevor. This was not the plan. No, Alan, it definitely was not. I mean, we thought, hey, the Lakers were were ready for another deep playoff run, maybe bringing home championship number eighteen this season. But uh, the injury bug, I think, had uh, had a little something to say about that. Well, th- let me start off with this. Um, how do you feel about the Lakers kind of walking into the offseason? Because, you know, we're watching all these other teams, great competition around the NBA, even though a lot of it, it seems like the the champion will be crowned this year, probably will have more to do with who's the healthiest, not who's the best. But you know what? That's part of sports. So, um, you know, you, you benefit off of it, whatever the case is. But how do you feel just the predicament that the Lakers are in, some of the players that will be available in the free agency uh, market, and then the the players that can walk away from the Lakers. H- how do you feel about um, this offseason and, and some of the moves that the Lakers will need to make, have to make? Just what do you think overall? Well, you know, I think it's a really difficult position that the Lakers are in, and not just because of the, the number of players that are free agents or where they are in terms of cap space and spending power and all of that. But it's really hard to get an assessment on this last season. If you're if you're Rob Blinka 
and you're looking at this season that we just saw and you take it all in, you can't have any real confidence that you saw what is what this team is can truly do, right? I mean, they, they didn't have a healthy squad for the majority of the season, lost players again in the playoffs. You felt like coming in, you had a team that could compete for a championship, uh, but you just didn't really get to see that. So it's hard to evaluate it and say, okay, we need, we need X, Y, and Z when we never really got to see the team yeah. all together. So that, that number one is the, is what the Lakers has to overcome. And the Lakers front office have to overcome is figure out, figure out what do we think this team would have been if everyone was healthy into the situation where we really just want to run it back with uh, a few minor changes here and there, like a lot of the players have been saying, because they feel shortchanged as well. Uh, or do you go a different route and do you make some more wholesale changes? It's uh, it, that's going to be really fascinating this off season to see how they approach that. Trev, um, Lakers have obviously been – they've kept on to some of these younger pieces, uh, a part of the franchise. And, you know, I, I think actually I give them credit. They've been very patient with, okay, yes, we're trying to win right now, but at the same time we think we can win with some of these young pieces. With LeBron going into his 19th year, do you think there's going to be some added pressure this offseason to say, okay, I get what this player could be in a couple years from now, but – I really got to put every single resource we have of trying to win a championship today. Do you think there's going to be that added pressure, just the predicament Lakers are in and obviously LeBron coming into his 19th season? Well, I think any time you've got LeBron James on your team, it is a win-at-all-cost win mentality, right? I mean, you have to take advantage of that and go for it. So I certainly think the Lakers are in that spot. Uh, right now, and you, you mentioned the young players. Maybe they do find a trade where they have to sacrifice some of the younger talent. But I think what the Lakers have tried to do, and I think they actually did a really good job of this this last offseason, is walk that fine line between finding guys who are able to compete right now but are also aren't so up there in years that they can't be considered part of Anthony Davis's timeline. Remember, they've got that second star there in A.D., and the Lakers did a nice job nabbing those guys. You got Montrez Harrell. You bring in Dennis Schroeder, players that are in that you know 26, 27, 28 year old uh, slot there. And uh, and so I think we're going to see a little bit more of that. Where if they do make a move, it might not be for the guy that is 35, 36, 37. I mean, obviously talent can win out, and there's there's always things that can, can come up. But it feels like they are trying to find guys that are ready to win now while still being part of the the future for Anthony Davis. Uh, Trevor Lane, who is the senior writer for Lakers Nation, does a great job for uh, Lakers Nation. Uh, joining Lakers Talk, that's interesting, Trev, because I, I, you know, I, I mentioned this last week, and I'll, I'll kind of, um, I'll probably continue to have these types of conversations. I, I really feel just the position the Lakers are in. It's so tough to plan, in my opinion, for two to three years down the road. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying you can't accomplish mo- both, but. If you can get one more championship, if everything, you know, you put everything towards one more championship with LeBron James, and I'm not telling you, it's obviously not a lock or a guarantee, whatever move that you make, but it just seems like they're in such a spot right now, it's so tough to think two, three, four years down the road when LeBron James, when his days are over with the Lakers or when he decides to retire, I find it difficult holding on to players thinking that far down the line just because... 
I feel like it's uh, put all your chips in the middle right now. And I, I give Palenka some credit. He hasn't done that, um, you know, fully. And I think in some cases it's helped the Lakers. And I think in some cases you kind of sit back and you, you kind of throw the what if question out there. Yeah, and I mean, certainly we can talk about, you know, the Kyle Lowry trade that wasn't uh, and whether or not they should have, have gone ahead and made a deal like that. I think that if those opportunities come up and there's a clear player that they think is going to put them over the top and is going to make them the favorite to win a championship, then then absolutely you go and, and you make that move. But uh, but again, they have to be aware of the presence of Anthony Davis and uh, and his ability to compete you know, five, six, seven years down the road. What do you do there? So it's an interesting spot to be in. But so far, I think the Lakers have done a, a pretty nice job of, of managing that. Like you said, we may be at a point this offseason where there's a few of these younger-ish chips that they just they have to cash in in order to try to make a run uh, right here, right now. And that might mean some big shakeups in, uh, in just a few months. Trev, we were having the conversation. So I had a lot of Laker fans calling on this. So I started off the show basically asking Laker fans, why do you want the Clippers to lose so bad? Because, and I know you and I have had conversations like this, whether on air, off air. Um, yeah. I, I, I watch these Clipper games. I'm watching all the playoff games, but I watch these Clipper games and I say to my, you know, I, I was the biggest Dallas Mavericks fan uh, about a week and a half ago. And now all of a sudden you would think I'm from Provo, Utah. Uh, that's how big of a jazz fan I've become. So I'm asking Laker fans out there, why, why do, why do we pay so much? Why do we want the Clippers to lose so bad um, and to not have success. I don't know a bigger Laker fan than you. What, what's your reasoning? Help, help me understand where, where you come up, come in on this. You know, Alan, it's um, it, it's funny. It's right. It, it just it, it hits home, right? I mean, the Clippers being in L.A. trying to do the whole you know street lights over spotlight thing and grit and grind over glitz and glamour and all, all the kind of stuff that they were throwing out there. Uh, we're going to feel a certain kind of way about it. I've been doing the same thing, man. I mean, I was a, I was a Mavs fan, like you said, a week and a half ago. I've been, been pulling for the Jazz. That's really my only rooting interest in the NBA playoffs right now. We've seen the, the Clippers lose. That's, that's what I'm hoping to see. And again, I think it comes down to Lakers fans in general. There's this, this diehard mentality, and it's usually not something that they just now came into. Don't get me wrong, there's new Lakers fans as well, but it's it's also a generational thing in, in Southern California and around the world. You've got people who grew up, their parents were Lakers fans, their grandparents were Lakers fans, right? It's something that is ingrained into the fabric of, of Southern California, into the fabric of, of uh, basketball fandom. And so it runs pretty deep. And so if you've got a club that's coming in here and trying to say, now we're the new game in town and we're going to take this city away from you, you're going to get that kind of a, a fierce pushback and reaction. And so I think that's why you see so many Lakers fans that are rooting for the Clippers to lose and are, and are agitated by them and irritated by them because the Clippers have gone out of the way to try to say, no, we're going to carve out our own little niche here in, uh, in L.A. And, uh, and for Lakers fans, uh, we're, we're going to be a little bit offended by that. Well, the Clippers are up 68-44 to 44 on the Jazz, so they're about to tie up the series. Let me ask you a quick question about the series. And I, I mentioned this a few minutes ago, that to me it just comes down to this. If Mike Conley comes back and he has the ability to go in these final three games and Donovan Mitchell is good enough to go on that ankle, Jazz got a chance to win this series. If both of those things don't happen, Clippers are going to the Western Conference Finals. Do you agree with that, or do you think, uh, or do you think Utah still got a chance even if Mike Conley's not there? 
I think if Mitchell is 100%, Utah has a chance if, if Conley's not there. But unfortunately, the Clippers seem to be on this, this pattern of figuring teams out within a few games and then kind of rolling. And that's what we're seeing them do right now with the Jazz. They definitely need Conley to come back. That would, that would help a ton. But uh, I think the, the Jazz do have a shot without him. Not a great shot, but a shot without him if Mitchell is 100%. But if Mitchell's not 100%, then you absolutely have to get Mike Conley back in there. Someone come and save the day and get the Clippers out of the playoffs. Come on, Utah. Well, if uh, if Utah does come back and win, would you like me to buy you a Bogdanovich jersey or a Joe Ingles? Just I'm just throwing it out there. I'm I'm here to support both of our fandom to the Jazz if they come back and win. Wh- which jersey would you like? Oh, I'll go uh, Jingles all the way, man. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, I, I got I got one more question here for you. Okay, so 12 years ago today, Kobe won his first championship without Shaquille O'Neal. Um, it was his fourth championship total. Lakers beat the Orlando Magic. Um, if I had to ask you, out of all the championships, and maybe this one is easy for you, but for me, it's not easy. Out of all the ones Kobe won, what was your what was your favorite championship? My favorite championship that Kobe won had to be the one in 2010 against the Celtics. I mean that that just because it was Boston, it, sure. it meant that much more because it went to game seven and, and, uh, and it was such a, I mean, it was an ugly game seven, but it was a hard fought game seven. Uh, and to me that, that one meant the most because it was, it was not just Kobe getting that, that fifth ring it was also, uh, getting it over the Lakers arch rival, you know? So, to, so to me, that one is the one that, that stands apart. I'm still nervous about that game. I remember being at Staples Center. It was it was like it was honestly it was the worst feeling, Trev. I, I don't know how to describe it. And I know you know what I'm talking about. It was just it was mm-hmm. when when you, you you kinda think in your head, please tell me it's not possible the Lakers are gonna lose to the Celtics two out of three years and at Staples Center. And there was a moment in the game you thought that could very well happen. I remember Lakers being down double digits. So to this day I that game still stresses me out. But uh Trev Nobody nobody better that uh, covers uh, Lakers basketball. I appreciate you coming on the show. As we get closer to free agency, let's have more of these conversations and see what the Lakers are going to do the rest of the offseason. All right, bud? For sure. That sounds great, Alan, and thanks so much for having me. All right, that's Trevor Lane, senior writer for uh, Lakers Nation, coming on uh, Lakers Talk. Um, I'm going to throw this one out there because I actually I, – I get any Laker fan, if I throw out there – 12 years ago, Kobe won his fourth title and first ring. This is a tweet that SportsCenter put out. Without Shaq, as the Lakers beat the Magic in the 2009 Finals, Kobe averaged 32 points a game, 5.6 rebounds, and 7.4 assists in winning that fourth NBA championship. Um, I'm going to throw the same question I just threw out to Trevor. All right, you're a Laker fan. You're driving around right now. You're listening on the podcast. Your favorite Kobe championship out of the five. Mine's actually going to be, mine's going to be a little different here, and I have my reasons for it. And I know a lot of Laker fans. Uh, I know the 2010 one is kind of the obvious one here, but I'm going to go a different route on this one. Uh, your favorite of the five NBA championships that Kobe brought to Los Angeles uh, 12 years ago today, he won his fourth title with the ring uh, with the Lakers when they beat the Orlando Magic. And then also another uh, another one I want to throw in there. Um, the the finals matchups that never happened. 
the finals matchups that you wanted to see most and never happened. Of course, Kobe and LeBron is going to be on the top of the list for many people out there. So 877-710-ESPN. We'll take some phone calls on that coming up next. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right. Thank you to uh, Yovan Buha and thank you to Trevor Lane from Lakers Nation. Both of them nice enough uh, to come on the show in the Lakers offseason. During the Lakers offseason. By the way, a couple quick plugs here. So if you miss any part of the show tonight, a full two hours on the ESPN app or on iTunes, really anywhere you get your uh, podcast, um, just search Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa. Just put Lakers Talk. That will come up so you can catch the full two hours. And then also I just want to plug in for tomorrow. So Travis and I, Travis Rogers and I, started doing probably about three weeks ago or so now, doing a morning show. We start at 8.55 in the morning, go to 11 a.m., so just over two hours or so. So we'll continue the NBA conversation, Lakers conversation, Dodgers conversation, all that stuff. We'll continue that tomorrow, so make sure to tune in for that. Um, okay, so I, I threw this out here, and I want to make my case here. What was your favorite Kobe championship? Kobe's got five championships with the Lakers. Um, today was the 12-year anniversary of Kobe grabbing number four. So Kobe gets his first championship without Shaquille O'Neal and then goes on to get five, uh, obviously beats the Boston Celtics in 2010. So I'm trying to think here. I'm like, all right, what 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 championship did I enjoy the most? What championship, I guess you can say, I don't want, I don't want to say met most, whatever the case is, but I just enjoyed the most watching Kobe with, with those five that he got. And I heard Trevor Lane talking about um, – you know, his favorite was 2010. And I got to imagine there's going to be a lot of Laker fans that that's their championship. 2010, Kobe gets his fifth NBA championship. He passes Shaquille O'Neal, if you were keeping a tally on that. Um, he beats the Boston Celtics. The Lakers beat the Boston Celtics right here at Staples Center in seven games. Not only was it Boston, but you lost to the Celtics in 2008. Similar roster. So a lot of people will have that 2010 championship as their favorite under the Kobe era. You know, mine was actually the first one. Mine was the first one Shaq and Kobe um, getting their first championship together in 2000. Uh, I, I don't know what it is, but there was something about, you know, I, I know there's some Laker fans that they were split on you were a Shaq guy or you were a Kobe guy. I just love the whole thing. I love the whole combination. And when Shaq and Kobe had gone four years in a row of not winning an NBA championship, uh, you know, you're getting beat up by the Utah Jazz, Kobe's shooting the air balls, um, a lot of question marks, can Shaq win a championship, all the great centers here, is Kobe too selfish, is Shaq not working out enough, like all this chatter and conversation around the Lakers, that never changed, that, that still goes on today. And then when they finally got Phil Jackson, and then they finally come back against the Portland Trailblazers, and you you were able to kind of take a deep breath. You thought when you won the West, you probably were going to win an NBA championship, and that's exactly what happened for the Lakers. Uh, they eventually um, 
win their first championship together, Kobe and Shaq did. There's just something about that first one for those two. You know? Just something about that first one. Especially for me, I think a lot of it also has to do with the era that you grew up in. I grew up towards the end of Magic's career. So really, I wasn't watching the Showtime 80s win championships every other year or go back-to-back or whatever the case is. Uh, for me, it was more <laughs> Vlade Divac and Eddie Jones and Cedric Sabalos and Anthony Peeler. It was all those players. So by the time the Lakers were good again and they actually had a shot to win an NBA championship, and you got that first one with Shaq and Kobe, that, that one to me was most memorable. I'll take a couple quick calls on this and then uh, also talk about the the finals matchup that never happened in 2009 uh, that's got to be on, on everybody's all-time list. The matchup that you wanted to see in the finals and never happened. I'll do that in a second. Let's go to Paul in Pasadena. Paul, thank you for calling in, bud. What's going on, Paul? Hi. Um, I'd like to say that my favorite was actually 2009. Uh, mainly it was uh, it was a redemption moment having having lost in uh, 08 against the Celtics. Mm-hmm. I thought they came back all season long. They did really well and the, the whole playoff run was great. Uh, some of the, the moments I remember, two of them were the Alvin Gentry on the sideline against the Suns, you know, the pat on the back after uh, Kobe made that shot. And then the, the one moment with uh, Matt Barnes, uh, and the no flinch uh, after the ball in the face, and just everyone playing really well, you know, uh, Derek Fisher and everyone. Uh, that's when I realized the Lakers really are back after the last one in uh, 02. Appreciate you sharing that. Thank you for calling in, Paul. Um, you know, it, it's uh, – it's one thing to kind of – there's certain championships that you just kind of easily – 12 years ago today, Lakers won championship number – what was that now? So they won 10, they won again. So championship was at 15 by beating the Orlando Magic. So it was Kobe Kobe's fourth championship. That one actually – when I have somebody describe that one to me, I it helps me remember it a little bit more. Remember it was the Trevor Ariza, it wasn't with Meta, and that one. You know what sticks out more to that championship than anything else? The matchup in the finals that you wanted to see most, that you thought was going to happen. Remember LeBron was in the Eastern Conference Finals against Dwight Howard and the Orlando Magic, so everybody thought, oh my gosh, we're going to get Kobe versus LeBron. We're actually going to get those two to face each other in the NBA Finals. Never happened. Orlando got to the NBA Finals. Kobe and uh, LeBron never crossed pads again in the NBA Finals. That, I mean, I, I actually was looking up this list earlier today, uh, finals matchups that never happened. And, you know, they had uh, Charles Barkley versus Tim Duncan. They had Michael Jordan versus Hakeem, because remember, Hakeem wins those championships when uh, when Jordan is playing baseball or just kind of gives up, retires briefly. But this one's not even close. The Kobe-LeBron happening uh, that would have been that, that's one of those that if you can go back and, and you'd love to see an NBA Finals matchup those two together that that's that's the cream of the crop right there Kobe versus LeBron never happened all right let me take a couple more calls on here Eric in LA Eric appreciate you calling in what's going on Eric Allen double duty Sliwa huh got to get in there Eric you know on on, on. on Mondays we gotta we just gotta get back in gotta get back in here <laughs> that's my new nickname Deuce Deuce Allen Sliwa <laughs> all right. You know what? Uh, can I talk about this Cole Clipper Laker thing? Sure, go for it. Absolutely. It's so it, it, I don't care one bit. They take zero headspace. Mm. Okay, in my dome. Um, you know, 
look, I said this on your show before. I find this whole thing cute and adorable. It's like your little brother, you know, trying to get on top of you and trying to ground and pound, ground and pound. And you're just kind of sitting there laughing, you know. Um, if I'm the Clippers, I just move to another city. Okay, this, this, they've been an adjective for the longest time, right? Okay, but when they talk about the Yankees of a certain sport, the Clippers of a certain sport has been an adjective for the longest time. Mm-hmm. All right, if you're the Clippers, move to another city, get up off the Lakers' shadow, and not only that, change your name because the Clippers itself has been associated with a losing, with losing. organization, mm-hmm. right? And Donald Sterling, take that stench and bury it. Go to another city. You're better I, off. I really, I really thought, Eric, when and I appreciate you calling. I'm going to squeeze in a couple, a uh, couple quick calls here. Um, I really thought when Steve Ballmer bought the team, you're like, ah, maybe, yeah, maybe he's going to take it somewhere else. They're not going anywhere. They're they're about to build a stadium in Inglewood, so they're going to be here to, you know, obviously here to stay. And I'll continue to say this because. When I do have the conversation about the Clippers, they're up big on the Utah Jazz right now. They're about to tie the series up to a piece. They should be the favorite to come out of the Western Conference. They really should. And who knows what happens with Brooklyn and their health. Philly's tied to a piece with uh, with the Atlanta Hawks. So it's not like the Clippers are in a bad spot. Um, but Laker fans, I can only speak for myself, but I, I think I have the pulse of most Laker fans. There's an incredible, yeah, we'd like to see them lose. And that hasn't gone anywhere. I think that's been uh, that's been strong and well here for a little while here. Uh, Solomon in Lake Balboa. Solomon, thank you for calling in. What's going on, Solomon? Hey, Alan, how are you? Good, yeah, a buddy. couple of things. I'd like to comment on the Clipper thing as well, but first to answer your questions, I am tracking with you on the Lakers' first championship. I liked Kobe and Shaq together. The comeback against Portland was, oh, was great. nuts. I'll never forget that for as long as I live. And I've said it now, and I'll say it again. If Shaq had Kobe's work ethic, if Kobe had Shaq's personality a mm. little bit and was a little more social, they stay together and they win more championships. That was a real shame. Um, regarding the Clippers, you know, I'm, I'm sort of like the, the previous caller. They're just kind of an afterthought for me. I don't hate them per se, um, and I want them to lose certain times. I want them to beat um, 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 Utah because I want to see Chris Paul play his old team. Mm. I want to see that. So, and of course I want, I want the Suns to win that I'm pulling for the Suns. So it just kind of depends sometimes who they're playing, but in general, they're an afterthought, you know, I don't, I don't give them any credit yet. Like you said, when they win something, they got to do something. Yeah, they got to do something. Exactly. Solomon, appreciate you calling in. Okay. Let's go to a quick commercial break before we come back. Um, Steve's going to kill me here. Steve's been, uh, you know, waiting here. Yeah, you got to keep moving here, Alan. Uh, we'll take more of your phone calls when we come back. 877-710-ESPN. Uh, more of this conversation about the Lakers and more of this conversation about uh, uh, this Clippers game, seventy-one fifty-four right now. We'll continue that. Plus, I got one quick thing I want to fill in here with Dennis Schroeder um, that came out of the Hoop Collective podcast with Brian Windhorst. We'll do that coming up next. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. L.A. Romero Jr. on Twitter. I'm hearing hard about Kyrie Irving's ankle, Mike Conley's hamstring, and I hear nothing about Serge Ibaka. Wasn't that our biggest offseason acquisition? No one is talking about him missing. I will answer that question for you. Um, Anthony Davis is different than Serge Ibaka. Mike Conley's need to the Utah Jazz is bigger than Serge Ibaka. Kyrie Irving's need is much bigger than Serge Ibaka. So, I, by the way, Serge Ibaka is a good player. He's a nice player. He's been out for 30-plus games and at the final 30 games, I think, of the season, something along those lines. That's number one. And number two, you cannot equate Serge Ibaka to some of the players I've been talking about. So I am mentioning injuries, but there's a reason why I'm mentioning the injuries that I mentioned. Okay, take one more quick call here. Uh, let's go to Michael in Palmdale. Michael, thank you for calling in, bud. You're on Lakers Talk. Go ahead, Michael. You're on, bud. Hey. Thank you for Hello? your thanks for your patience, bud. You're on. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so uh, on the screen, um, I, I was doing... All right, well, uh, sorry, bud. Sorry, Michael. I, I can't hear him. I can't hear him. We waited that whole time. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we're coming to a close here anyway. So I, I know he was trying to make a case about uh, Clipper fans and Laker fans and everything else. Um, let, let me say this as we get kind of close to the end of the show here, and I didn't get a chance to bring this up. Uh, I want to read off one thing. This came from the Hoop Collective podcast. And I probably should have done this a lot earlier in the show, but we were, we were talking about that Laker Conver, Laker-Clipper conversation just kind of took off. Um, Brian Windhorse who's been on the show plenty of times, uh, just a, a great guy to have on the show. We're having the conversation, and, or I'm sorry, he's having the conversation on the Hoop Collective podcast. He says, the most that Schroeder can extend for under his current contract is four years, $84 million. What I've been told is the Lakers did indeed offer him $84 million over four years, and he said no. He said no to that extension, and the Lakers offered him in trade for Kyle Lowry. So basically what... Um, what uh, Brian Windhorst is talking about, and I think this is going to be the the interesting question. What's the market going to be for Dennis Schroeder? What is the market going to be? And I, I want to explain something to Laker fans, so you know we're all on the same page on this. When it comes to when it comes specifically specifically to Dennis Schroeder, I think it's this one's a little tougher to gauge Dennis Schroeder because I don't think it's fair to gauge him over these last couple of the last week or so. The guy was in COVID-19 protocols, was away from basketball for, you know, 10-plus days or whatever the case is, almost two weeks. And then he comes back, it's playoff time, no Anthony Davis, lineup's kind of in and out. I, I don't think Dennis Schroeder was as bad as he probably performed in the playoffs or the taste that he gave Laker fans towards the end of the season. But I also don't know if he's the, you know, big-time solution for this Lakers team and this Lakers, Lakers roster, so... I'll put it this way when it comes to Dennis Schroeder. If the option is having him or not having him, I'd rather have him, right? You, you In the NBA, the way this works is it, it's very simple the way it works. You want to sign a player, especially at that age, who can have some impact on your team and your roster. You want to sign that player, 100% you do. Because if he's gone, he's gone. There is no replacing Dennis Schroeder. If that if if you lose Dennis Schroeder, he's gone. It's not like you could go use that money and say, oh, we'll just go spend this $25 million on somebody else. That's not how the cap works in the NBA. So 
you'd rather have him than not have him. Probably the most ideal scenario, if Dennis Schroeder does want to leave the Lakers, and you know, like I said, he has said that he, he's going to go and test the free agency market. If he does want to leave, then the probably the best way to do it is to do some type of sign and trade. So we'll see what happens in the Lakers offseason. There's so many question marks, and I know right now when we're still in the playoffs and free agency doesn't start until August 2nd, I think. we got a ways to go, but we'll continue that conversation. Uh, appreciate everybody being a part of the show. All the calls that we took, everybody that chimed in on this conversation, thank you for doing so. Lakers Talk Podcast on the ESPN app or on iTunes. Catch all full, full two hours. Just search Lakers Talk. Back on tomorrow morning with Travis Rogers at 8.55 in the morning. LA, as always, thank you for being a part of the show. Have a great rest of your night.